A lot of our, a lot of guys here tonight, you're struggling in your marriage because you have failed here. We're actually doing a three-week series on sex. Uh, I, one rule I have when I came in, uh, when I did this sermon, I told my wife this series. I told her I would not talk about my past, sexual past, which there is no sexual past. Three years before I met my wife, there was sexual past, but there's been no sexual past for 35 years or something. And I would, and I would not talk to, about her and my, the, our sex life. But she did let me bring our sex box. So I have our sex box tonight. So I have permission to bring that. You know, 35 years of marriage, hey, you know, you know, practice makes perfect, so you know. So anyway, I got the sex box. But you know, here's the thing I want to talk to you about. We live in a society that uh, lies to us about sex. In 1992, the University of Chicago did a survey. The survey came out in U.S. News, and they surveyed to find out who has the best sex. What group has the best sex? You know what they determined? The people who had the best sex were people who attended church regularly and had the fewest amount of sex partners. So if you are a couple, it didn't matter what church you went to. If you went to church regularly with your wife and you and her never had sex until you were married to each other, statistically you have the best sex. Is that what you hear? You don't hear about that. Because Satan wants to counterfeit everything God designed. God des It's so fun. God designed sex. He designed all the body parts. Patrick Fagan said this. He's a senior fellow at the Family Research Council. said, those who worship God weekly have the best sex. So I'm going to start right there. And so we have this sex box. And I want to share with you some tools in this sex box I think will really help you. Um, you can't pick this up on Amazon. Just let you know. This is only, you can only find this here tonight. But our society tells us things like this. Homosexuality is okay. Living together before you're married is okay. You need to test drive the car. Porn will give you new ideas about sex and how to pleasure yourself. Masturbation will teach you all of these new things about that. Have as much sex before marriage as you can so you can get really, really good at it before you're married. Netflix and chill, or friends with benefits for you older people, benefits has no emotional Benef no, there's nothing wrong emotionally with that. There's no, there's, no there's, no, there's no link between sex and your heart. They're totally different. These are all the lies that our society tells you. But God has a different plan. And, and here's what I hear a lot of people saying in the church all the time. Oh, man, it's so bad in America. This sex thing is so bad. It's gotten so bad. You guys, it's not even close to bad. So when Christianity came on the scene around AD 33... Christianity, besides finding salvation in Jesus, Christianity brought two major ingredients to our culture. The first one is, it was the first time in world history that women had a voice because of Christianity. If you don't believe me, go to Arab nations, go to India, see how they handle their women. The second thing Christianity did, it was the first time in the history of the world where chastity, a.k.a. sexual purity, a.k.a. One wife, one man, forever, came on the scene. Christianity brought that on the scene. 
So in America, we still have that. We still have this underlying principle of, well, when I get married, I should only be with that person when I'm married, and I can't go out and have sex with other people. Most of us in this room would agree that having sex with another woman when you're married is not good. Back then, it was expected. Expected. Way worse. In fact, the context of tonight's passage is Corinth, the city of Corinth. Corinth was on an isthmus uh, that, that linked Asia to, to Italy. It was a massive port. This was a massive city of 400,000 people. It was so vile that a historian said this, Strabo, his name was Strabo, he said this, listen to this quote. Not, so what happened is it was a port city. So just sailors were coming in all day long. There was just massive amounts of people coming into Corinth because they were trading, uh, going from Asia to Italy. They were trading. These routes were just going back and forth. And Strabo said this, not for every man is the voyage to Corinth. What he was saying was, that city is so vile, a lot of the sailors can't even hack it. In Corinth was a temple. It was the biggest architectural structure in all of Corinth. It was the temple of Aphrodite. And at this temple, they had a thousand priests. A thousand the problem is they weren't dudes. They were women. And if you went to the temple to worship, it was expected you were going to have sex with a priestess. Talk about pastoral care. You could really grow a church with that here, huh? I mean, come on. I mean, you know, so, so this is what happened. The expectation was I'm going to go to the temple. I'm going to have sex. Bye, honey. Bye, kids. Dad's going to go worship at the temple with his penis. And that was expected. So you think America's bad? Tonight we're going to be discussing the way that God designed sex and how, when we operate inside God's sex box, we experience the best that God has to offer. And we step out of the sex box into these other realms, things diminish. Hearts diminish, lives diminish, marriages diminish, intimacy with your wife diminishes. So let's, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm doing something really weird tonight. I'm going to link up 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 16 to 20, with Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to link them up, and here's why. Because there's a direct link in Scripture between God's relationship with you and I and our relationship with our wives. There's a link there, which is why marriage is so sacred to God and sexual purity is such a holy thing. Father, thanks for this time. We praise you because not only did you uh, create the stars and the heavens, but you created the, uh, the immense amount of nerve endings in various parts of our body that are used for sexual pleasure. The same God that made the heavens and the earth created the human body. And we do not shrink back from thanking you for that. Help us tonight to paint a clear picture of your design for sex that if we are really serious about you tonight we'll walk away with a changed life. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians 6, 16 says, Do you not know that he who unites himself... Again, this is, a, this is a, a mirror reading. A mirror reading is a reading that the, the author is writing to a particular person or culture directly addressing a problem. Paul is addressing the problem with the temple prostitutes. Are you guys clear on this? So Paul addressing this problem with Christian men 
going, hey, I still got to go to church. And new Christian women going, no, boy. <laughs> you know I mean, you're staying home now. You're a believer. So he says this. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two shall become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Now, let's look, turn to the left, or click to whatever, to Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. Uh, this is the first wedding ceremony ever performed. God has made Eve, Eve out of Adam's rib, and Genesis 2.22 says this, The Lord fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. So here's Eve presented to Adam for the first time. No belly button and all. It's glorious. Man, the man says, if you, read, if you have the New Living Translation, the man says, what does he say in that? Does anybody have a New Living? What does it say? At last, he says, at last. He's like, I, I'm glad it's not a cow or a sheep. You know, at last, you know what I'm saying? So he says, at last, he says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they will become one flesh. We just read that in 1 Corinthians, didn't we? And the man and his wife were naked and not ashamed. So it's really interesting. So Genesis 2, 25 says, And the man and woman were naked and felt no shame. Do you know what Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says, the very next verse? you know what the very next verse says? The serpent. It is the first time in the Bible where Satan enters the scene. The next verse after Adam or after God creates Eve. Is that a coincidence? Why do you think that happened? Why do you think the serpent, Satan, the devil, came on the scene in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1? I'll tell you why. Because Satan hates unity. He loves, he loves to tear things apart. That's why Man Camp this year is so awesome. We're going to have 20 Two churches represented man camp. Last year we had eight. It's so powerful. You guys have to go. God loves unity. He loves, he wants the order of life to be like this one God, one man, one woman, one marriage, one sex partner, one lifetime, one reflection or mirror of him and his relationship with us. And Satan hates that. He hates that. There's a, there's a movie on Prime, Amazon Prime right now. It's a top ten. It's called Nefarious. It's a Christian movie. You have to watch it. You have to watch it. I'm telling you right now, it'll, it's a game. If you were a Frank Peretti fan in the 90s, This Present Darkness, this is that on video. Let's look at verse 19 and let's compare it with Genesis chapter 2, 24. And I want to show you the first item in my, in my sex box. All right, are you ready? Here we go. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God and that you are not your own for you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your body. Then in Genesis 2, 24, 
For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. There's a parallel there, and here's the parallel. The parallel, you want to see the sex toy first? Right there. What is this? This is a, a nail puller. Its whole job is to get something that's stuck in something and get it out of there. And that's exactly what the Bible is talking about. That when I gave my life to Jesus, I pulled myself out of the world and I pulled myself into God's culture. Philippians 3.20 says, We are not citizens, for we are citizens of heaven. There's an uprooting that happened when I gave my life to Christ. When, when, when a man marries a woman, he leaves his family. He leaves his helicopter mommy and his bulldozer daddy, and he and his wife go and start their own culture as a family and a couple together. There is a leaving. There is a leaving. So I, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. A lot of guys who come to the mag are not experiencing victory in their lives because they're unwilling to die to themselves and fully live for Jesus. You have to leave the old way behind and go all in for Jesus. Without leaving the old, there is no new life or new identity. In 1 Corinthians 12, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though it is many parts are, his parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. Romans 12.1, you know this by heart. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves of living, holy sacrifice, living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord, for this is your spiritual act of worship. Verse 4 continues, it says, Just as each one of the body has many members, these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to each other. So that's why this is so important. I had a young guy ask me, Younger dude. So years ago, he said, hey, uh, what's your number? I'm like, well, I'm number one, baby. Like, what, what do you mean? How many, how many women, like, back in the day, how many women were you with? And I looked at him, and I said, I said here's what I'm tell you right now. One. Because the only one that matters is the one I was with after I gave my life to Christ. I waited three years until I met my wife, did not have sex with my wife until we were married, and she's the only woman I've ever touched since I've loved Jesus, and that's the only number that, you want to tell you something? Back in the day, I don't know, I used to celebrate that with my bros. We'd bring girls over, they'd leave the next morning, walk of shame, we were just like, hey yeah, we're studs, right? I'm ashamed of that now. Those, are, those women are married, and they have children. And I brought shame on them. I'm not proud of that. But you know what I am proud of? I've been married 31 and a half years, and I've never touched another woman in 34. I'm pretty proud of that fact. And I've never met a Christian man who has said, man, I'm so stoked I bedded a lot of chicks before I was married. Made me so much better in bed. Do you know how much baggage those guys have? <laughs> a lot. Don't buy into the lie. Don't buy into the lie. So we're going to look at tool number two. It's in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, and 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. But th so the first thing we'll tell you is that we need to leave. Leave our old way of life. Leave our parents. So I encourage you to do both of those things. Most of you are married, so I'm just going to encourage you to leave your old way of life. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, He who unites himself with the Lord, so there's a, unites himself with the Lord, 
is one with him in spirit. Remember, God loves unity, right? He wants to unite himself with us through Christ. Genesis 2.24, the parallels here are so cool. I love the Bible, how it parallels things. Genesis 2.24, for this reason, a man will be united to his wife. So you see the parallel? So, so the word I'm going to use here is the word cleave. So I leave and I cleave. I, if, a fancy word for cleave is I connect. So I leave my old life and I connect I cleave to God. I latch onto him in my personal relationship with him. I pursue a relationship with him. And in marriage, I leave my parents. She leaves her parents. And I connect with my wife. I, I'm t- I've had a really busy week. In 35 years of marriage, of ministry, I've, never done t- I've done 12 sermons this week, 12 different sermons. I'm heading to Bozeman, Montana at Odark 30 tomorrow to record 11 on Friday. Who's coming with me? My wife. I don't need my wife there. We got an Airbnb. They're paying for it all. We're flying out. Because I'm going to be very busy one day, but I've got all day tomorrow and all day Saturday to cleave. There may be some sex involved. There may not be, and it doesn't matter. It's about connecting to my bride. Right? God wants to connect with us. He asks us to connect. A lot of, our, a lot of guys here tonight, you're struggling in your marriage. Because you have failed here to cleave to your wife because you're too busy. Because work is too busy. It's just garbage. It's not true. God has called us to cleave. This word united, it literally means sexual union, but it speaks to something way beyond that. It's a way deeper union. I have multiple, multiple friends that wives got in accidents or, or whatever, and they're in a sexless marriage. No sex at all. One of my friends, his wife has Parkinson's. One of his friends, his wife broke her hips and she can't do anything that involves her legs, nothing. So a lot of these guys are in sexless marriages and they're deep and committed and connected because you can cleave to your bride without sex. I know that may sound weird. I'm not in a sexless marriage, so, but I respect that. I'm like, man, that's impressive. Tell me more about your marriage. Cleaving is collecting. So here's my next sex tool. Huh? What do you think about that? Pretty sweet, huh? Connecting. It's going from a place that's far away to a place that's closer. It's constantly drawing. Now, this one might hurt a little bit because the little thing is the flat part's missing. But, the, but, this is, but it's all about drawing. Cl- I just realized I had a flaw in my, my props. Okay, sorry. The, this is a, it's all about drawing closer. You know, when I was a youth pastor, one of the things we would do when we talk about sex is we would have a, I'd have a girl come up, one of my leaders. I want you to take this rose. I want you to walk around and give a pedal to every guy in the room. She went and handed it to every guy in the room. She had one petal left. I said, now you hand it to this guy. He's going to pretend to be your husband. One petal left. You don't think that impacts a relationship when you've given yourself and you've unified your body? You've had sex with, because I don't know about you guys, but, but sex means more than a physical thing. You know the women you've had sex with. You know their names. You know their faces. You know their body, how their bodies feel. You remember that stuff because there's a connection that's way deeper in high school, college, you know how it works. We would say I love you to get sex, and they would give us sex to hear the words I love you 
Because there's a deep connection when it comes to sex that the world tells you is not there, and it is a lie. So let's move on to toy number three in our toolbox. 1 Corinthians 16, do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute, again, speaking about the temple prostitutes in the uh, temple of Aphrodite, is one with her in body. For it is said the two shall become one flesh. Then in Genesis chapter 2.24 it says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother, and they will become one flesh. So they will leave, they will cleave or connect, and they will weave. Often. Regularly. We, and we're going to talk about that a little bit next week. Weaving your bodies without fear, guilt, Shame or secrets, that's the beauty of how God designed sex. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 11, Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. Now, I had an experience in Wyoming where I almost froze to death, and, and there were some dudes involved that saved my life. But generally speaking, I think this is probably me, you and your wife. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Jeff Borges and I are pretty tight to this day because of the spooning incident in Wyoming. But... But that's a whole other story. Okay, so, uh, but but how can one keep warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. You see, God invented pleasure and all the nerve endings that go with it. Can I get an amen to that? Come on. Genesis 1.31. After he made man and woman, this is the only time God says this. After God makes man and woman, he says, it was very good. I mean, God looked at the whole thing, and man, I crushed it here. I hit it out of the park. Full send, and it worked. The Bible is the greatest sex book ever written. It really, really is. In 1 Corinthians 7, the wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. This is my teaching verse for next week. Do not deprive each other. Proverbs 5.18, this is a Bible memory verse. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. May her breasts satisfy you always. God said that. God said that. Is God a prude? No, he made the clitoris. There's no other purpose for the clitoris on the human body but pleasure. It's awkward hearing that. It's almost like hearing the word, the M word from last week. God made boobs. God made your stuff too, guys. God did that. So I have a sex toy for that. I've got a couple of them. I'm just going to pull it. This is, Jacob Duke donated this. This is crochet kit. It's all about taking yarn and weaving it together. God has called us to leave, to cleave, or connect, and to weave. The Bible says in Hebrews 13.4, to make the marriage bed pure. Keep the marriage bed pure. So my question to you guys tonight is, do you believe God? Do you believe, do you believe God? Like, do you really believe what's, do you really, I mean, come on. Do you really believe what's in this book? Do you really believe that you're, come on, that you should not have sex until you're married? That you should not live together outside the marriage covenant? That you should not, uh, 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 not condone homosexual sex? That you should not get divorced and have sex with another woman? That you should not have sex before as a single guy? Do you really believe that? I mean, really. 
I mean, come on. Wisdom says, test drive the machine, baby. Have sex with multiple cars. Get really good at this thing. You're a sex machine. What's that song? And I don't work for nobody but you. There's a song about that. Or do you believe what this says? And that the best sex, the best way to connect with God is through obeying this book and having one wife, one sex partner, one lifetime, one God and glorifying him. I believe that. In verse 20, it says, For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your body. So when I come to Jesus, I leave, I cleave, I weave, and I have to believe. I have to believe. I have to believe that I have been bought for, with a price and I need to honor God with my body. In Genesis chapter 2.25, the man and wife were naked and they felt no shame. So if we really believe, so here's how I got, I got a story. Oh, so this is my sex toy number four. I'm going to tell you a story. It's a little embarrassing. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 28, we read this. Husbands ought to love their wives as, cry, as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, it's, it's all over the scriptures, right? For this reason, a, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. It's right there again, you guys. So I'd been dating my wife for 24 hours. I told her, uh, uh, without going into the details, we had been really good friends, and I had this kind of epiphany that she was pretty, and, and I was in love, and I took her on a date, and I told her, our first date, I love you, and I'm going to marry you. I just told her, I go, hey, I'm wearing my Wranglers, i got my sleeves rolled up, and I've got a mustache. You cannot resist this. You are going to marry this guy because this mustache is going to pull you right in. And it did, man. It pulled her. So like four, 24 hours into this thing, we were just like, I love you, I love you. I mean, it was so, it was embarrassing how mushy it was. So she decides she's going to tell her college pastor. We're dating 24 hours. We set up a meeting at a Mexican food place. We sit down at a Mexican food place. I'm 26, she's 22. She just turned 22 the week before. We're sitting down eating chips at Lolo's Mexican Food Place in the Tascadero, California. And my wife's like, I'm in love with this guy. And I'm like, look at the mustache, bro. I mean, you've got a beard? Beards? No, the mustache. It's about the mustache. You know. and, he, and he's looking at me, and he's sizing me up. And she's like, I'm in love. We're going to get married. You know, I mean, blah, blah, blah. And he looks at her, and he's just being real quiet. And he's got that pastoral poker face. Have you ever seen that pastoral poker face? You're just pouring your guts out, and they're just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're like, come on, give me something. You know. He looks at her. Straight-faced, he, he looked at me, my awesome mustache, full head of hair, curly. Gosh, I was glorious. He said, uh, is he the best you can do? <laughs> true story. He says, is this the best you can do? He's looked, my poor wife's blinking, blinking, her beautiful eyes are just, you know. And he, can, he went on, he said something very profound. He said, listen, he said, Shanna, you've been together 24 hours. And God wants the best for you. Satan wants you to settle for good. Too many people settle. So my question is, is he the best for you? And of course, we know the answer, right? 32 years later. But I thought that was really profound. So my question to you is, when you compromise your sexual, sexual life and you say you're a Christian man, is that really God's best for you? Is you compromising your faith for a vagina? Is that God's best for you? 
I'm just wondering, because I don't think it is. And I think there's a lie that we're buying out there that says we have to do it. So my wife and I, we struggled. We struggled. We never had sex before we were married, but oh boy, we struggled. And I had my pastor tell me, hey, bro, he goes, better to marry than to burn. Yeah, I asked her to marry me the next day. I mean, because I just knew, you know, I'm a man. And I wanted God's best. And I wasn't willing to compromise, and I saw myself starting to. So, so when, I, when I compare my relationship to Jesus to my relationship with my wife, I see some parallels here tonight. I had to leave my old way and give my life fully to Jesus. I had to leave the, my divorced, um, dysfunctional family, and she had to leave her abusive, dysfunctional family, and we had to join together in our own union and try to create our own dysfunctional family. We had to cleave to her. I had to, I had to connect. She had to teach me. I didn't know how to. I'm a guy. She taught me how to connect with her. She continues to teach me. There's a cleaving, a uniting together. And for us anymore, if, just, if I'm rubbing her feet on the Netflix and chill, for us, is rubbing her feet at the, and watching Netflix. That's really all it means for us, personally. You know what I mean? So, I mean, just connecting with her. But I have to connect with God. I have to be in the Word every day. I have to pray to God. I have to do certain things that draw myself closer to God. I need to weave with my wife. I need to express my love for her physically. I need to consummate my marriage regularly as a reminder to be intimately acquainted with her. You know, the Bible says, God says in the Bible that he wants to know us. And Paul said, I want to know you. The word that they use there is the word ginosko. If you, if you have any Spanish speakers here, you know the, word, the verb saber is to know a fact. Conocer is to know a person. Gnosko comes from that root word. It's to know a person intimately, deeply. God wants to know us deeply. And the last thing is this, is God believes in us. God believes for our best. But the question tonight is, do we believe him? That really is the question tonight. So guys, I want to call you out and call you up. And here, here are the two things I want to ask you tonight. If you're a single guy, we don't have a ton of single guys, probably five or six in the room. If you're a single guy, I want to tell you this. I did not sleep around for three years, never touched a woman until I met my wife. And I called that second time virginity. And if you were there on my honeymoon, you would have agreed. I had no idea what I was doing. But I'm asking you to repent, to honor God with your body, and to present yourself to your wife as a second time virgin. I believe that the grace of God will cover that. If you are a married guy, guy. You know you want me to tell you to have sex. I'm not going to tell you that. I want you to have a weekly date night with your wife. I want you to connect with your wife. If you have a weekly date night with your wife, the weaving will take care of itself. But the problem with us as guys is not our hunger for sex. It's our hunger for connection. And I'm going to ask you to think about that and talk about that. Am I really connecting with my bride? And if I were to bring her in the room, would she say that you are? So, Father, thanks for this time tonight. Allowing us to open your word and God, we know that we live in a highly sexualized society. We know that. Uh, we know that most of us in this room struggle in some aspect of sexual sin. Uh, some, whether it's looking at an image on, on a, a, the TV or whatever it may be. We know that we struggle there. You've given us a drive. And we know that along with that drive is a potential temptation. But God, we also know that you've called us to love one woman, have sex with one partner for one lifetime to glorify the one king of the universe. So as we go off to our groups tonight, I pray that you would help us to discuss this, dive deep, and be honest. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey guys, make sure that if you are not a subscriber to this podcast that you do so, man, uh, help us out with that. And then also uh, shoot our link on over to some of your buddies and get them involved in our show as well. You guys can collaborate on uh, favorite episodes and things that really help you to be a better man. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man.